politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when one of the fascinating questions about the new indictments on President Trump, 37 counts, it's uh, on seven different violations of the law. And no, he will not be uh, sentenced to jail for over 400 years, which is the maximum he could get. And if they uh, had these sentences stacked uh, consecutively, not concurrently, uh, it won't happen that way. But what will happen and what should happen and uh, what does it all mean for uh, President Trump and for the campaign in which he is currently engaged? Uh, somebody with a strong opinion of this, uh, he has um, recently expressed that opinion, and it's not entirely what you might expect, is one of President Trump's most consistent and effective defenders. Alan Dershowitz, a professor at Harvard Law School for 50 years, author of some 50 books. His most recent book is called Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and our constitutional rule of law. Alan, thanks very much for joining us. Well, thanks. Of course, I'm not really a Trump defender. I'm a legal defender, certainly not a political defender. In fact, I insist on my constitutional right to vote against him for the third time without interference by prosecutors, judges, or jurors. Okay, uh, fine. Uh, so how would how would you... Uh, one of the one of the things that you've done very effectively is, of course, during uh, the impeachment proceedings against President Trump, you helped to advise President Trump in uh, defending himself. What advice would you give him about his defense in this particular case? Well, you know, I also advised President um, Clinton when he was um, impeached, so I'm not a partisan advisor. Um, my advice, of course, two or three years ago would have been to give him the, the, the famous uh, stuffed fish that's on a plaque. And it says I'd still be swimming if I had kept my mouth shut. So <laughs> the advice would have been to keep his mouth shut. Most of the problems he has uh, resulted from his talking, in one case, a recorded conversation uh, in which he flashes some papers and says, you know, I could have declassified them, but I didn't, so they're still secret. Um, and they show that Millie was wrong and I was right. That's going to be a very, very damning piece of evidence because you can't cross-examine a person's own words on, on, on tape. And then, of course, I don't think he picked the right lawyers because his lawyers, you know, have become some of the main witnesses against him. Um, um, Jack Smith got a court, erroneously, I think, but got a court to rule that he had violated uh, the lawyer-client privilege. And so his secret conversations with his lawyers became very, very important part of the indictment. I'll tell you the one thing I, I don't know whether I'd advise him on, I'd advise the American public on, and that is every aspect of this trial ought to be televised. Uh, there should be no secrets. We shouldn't have to read about it in the New York Times or hear about it on uh, CNBC or uh, 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 CNN or Fox News, we should all be able to see for ourselves uh, whether it's a fair trial and how it's going. And I hope that uh, there will be a change in the policy and maybe this federal court will be allowed to 
uh, have the case shown on television. Now, I don't know whether I'd advise Trump to move to have the case on television, whether that would hurt him or help him, uh, but I think that's best for the American public. You know, that's a fascinating thought. Uh, do you think that uh, Jack Smith personally would participate in that trial, or his role as special prosecutor would probably be to deputize, to have some of the people that he spoke very highly of when he announced these indictments with whom he works at the special prosecutor's office? Wouldn't yeah. that be the normal? Yeah, and he has a very unfair advantage. Let me tell you about it. He can get the very best lawyers in the country to prosecute Trump. Trump cannot get a decent lawyer, a really good lawyer, to defend him. Why? Because of Project 65. That's that McCarthyite left-wing group that has threatened, disbarred, or disciplined every lawyer who ever represents Donald Trump. And when they first announced this, I wrote an op-ed column in which I said, hey, if you go after any lawyers just for defending Donald Trump, I will represent them free of charge. So what do you think they did? They filed the bar complaint against me. Uh, and <laughs> I spoke to two lawyers today already who have said they wanted to represent Trump, but they don't want their bar cards lifted. They don't want their family life disrupted. And so, you know, McCarthyite tactics has occurred during the real McCarthyite period in the 1950s where lawyers were terrified to represent people accused of being communists. Now lawyers are terrified about representing Donald Trump because they know they'll pay a heavy, heavy cost uh, for that. I mean, I, I'm now on Martha's How, Vineyard, how are they able to do this? In other words, and first of all, have there been any people who have lost their bar cards so far because I don't know. simply so because they represented Trump? I'm the only one who's disclosed the fact that I've had a bar complaint filed against me. Um, generally, those things are confidential, and mostly lawyers don't want to acknowledge it, but I did nothing wrong. I mean, so I'm happy to have the bar complaint against me laid out in public, but lawyers don't want to do that. And so I don't know whether or not any lawyers have been. I know, yes, one of them, of course, Rudy Giuliani, uh, had his license suspended not merely uh, for defending Trump, but for the way in which he defended Trump, but he, without a hearing. And so bars are kind of participating in some of these tactics. But the end result is that lawyers are terrified to defend Donald Trump. And that's not good for America. That's not good for civil liberties. That's not good for the Sixth Amendment. And so I want to see more transparency. I want to see all of this out in the public. That's why I want the case uh, tried on television. Uh, you know, the legislative branch is on television, the executive branch, State of the Union, are all on television. I don't see any reason for an exception to the judicial branch. Of course, you know, if you have trials involving minors and things of that kind, yeah, but the most important trial in modern American history should be available for all to see so we don't have to hear about it through the filter of biased media. You, I'm sure you have looked at this, and, and you know that Jack Smith has just done about half his work because he still has a grand jury with whom he's working in Washington, D.C., concerning yeah. President Trump's involvement in January 6th. And uh, that uh, we may be getting a response on in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, and that's what's so terrible about special counsel. A special counsel should never be appointed to get somebody. I mean, that's my book, Get Trump, because they're appointed to get somebody. So 
his mission is get Trump, whether it be in Florida, whether it be in D.C., whether it be in, in Fulton County, just get Trump. The focus is on Trump. No, there should have been separate counsel appointed. One, let's look into January 6th. Two, let's look into presidents and former presidents and secretaries of state who have mishandled classified material. So then you'd have this, a special counsel who would compare what Trump did to what you know Pence did to what Biden did to what Hillary Clinton did. But no, uh, the special counsel has one job, and to hammer everything looks like a nail. And to a special prosecutor, you know, every piece of evidence points only to the person who's been targeted. And so I am very opposed to the concept of special counsel focusing on an individual rather than on an episode. So you would be opposed to the statement, I will appoint a real special prosecutor to go after the most corrupt president in the history of the USA, Joe Biden. That was a pledge issued by President Trump today. Alan? <laughs> uh, it, uh, we... Uh, I hear a lot of hate come from jock jocks like yourself. Michael Medved. Uh, there is a lot of hate floating around the presidential race, and it's uh, and not just all, all directed at Donald Trump. Some of it is. Uh, some of it is directed at Joe Biden, of course. Uh, some of it is also directed at other Republican candidates for president. And it's worth noting uh, a piece in Newsweek that uh, reports that Ron DeSantis's approval rating has collapsed. And there are all sorts of polls that show all kinds of things, but there's there's been no good polling news for Ron DeSantis since he announced his candidacy. Remember, he was considered a candidate in waiting for weeks and weeks, and he was actually very competitive with President Trump, for leadership of the Republican Party. But since he's announced his candidacy, which was a disaster, remember that he did it on Twitter spaces and there were all kinds of technical difficulties. And it's been one thing after another. I do think that this idea of trying to uh, go back and get congressional approval and then spend an extra millions of dollars to change the name of Fort Bragg back to Fort Bragg I don't think it's going to help him carry North Carolina, and I don't think it's going to help him uh, build on his approval rating, which is right now pathetic. According to online polling company Civic's dynamic approval rating graph, DeSantis currently has a net approval rating of negative 19 points. That means uh, that 55% of respondents, and this is of everybody, it's of all registered voters, that 55% of respondents have a negative uh, opinion of him compared with 36% who have a favorable view of him. The data show that uh, DeSantis has a major unfavorable rating from those aged 18 to 34, 63% unfavorable, women 62%, as well as African Americans 85%, and Latinos uh, 68%, which is very striking because he did very well with Latinos when he was running for re-election for the governorship in Florida. 
In comparison, the Florida governor's overall approval and disapproval rating was tied at 47% in early December. In other words, before his announcement of candidacy, uh, people who said that they had heard of Governor DeSantis and knew about him uh, half liked him, half didn't. Uh, Now it's uh, uh, overwhelmingly negative. In the subsequent months, DeSantis' approval rating has fallen 19 points, with polls continuing to suggest that Trump is the overwhelming favorite to clinch the GOP presidential nomination, despite his continuing legal difficulties. DeSantis could take solace, however, from the fact that Trump is currently recording a higher disapproval rating at 57% in Civics Tracker. With the former president uh, recording disapproval scores in the mid 50s for most of the year, uh, what does all of this mean? It means that uh, with Trump and DeSantis both so negative, uh, one of the candidates who might actually have the ability to prevail is somebody that people have not heard so much about, and which means someone perhaps like uh, Tim Scott or Nikki Haley or uh, someone who isn't embroiled in so much controversy and and, and level of scandal. Uh, Mr. Trump's closest rival for the 2024 nomination, Mr. DeSantis, the governor of Florida, uh, captured uh, the same spirit, this is from the New York Times, when he mused on Friday that he would have been court-martialed in a U.S. minute, in a New York minute, pardon me, if he had taken classified documents during his service in the Navy. Now, DeSantis said that? Yeah, but he said that to criticize Hillary Clinton, not to criticize Trump. He was referring to Hillary Clinton who has uh, returned as a Republican boogeyman this week and her misuse of classified material as Secretary of State. But the uh, double meaning was uh, clear just as it was when he said, there needs to be one standard of justice in this country. Let's uh, enforce it on everybody. Uh, Those urging voters to read the charges facing Mr. Trump the uh, mishandling on the mishandling class of uh, highly classified documents uh, on some of the nation's most sensitive secrets and his subsequent steps to obstruct law enforcement are a lonelier group. The uh, broader Republican Party uh, housed just two former governors running for president, both former prosecutors, Mr. Christie of New York and Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas, they are aligned with a scattering of other leaders like Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, who was the only Republican to vote uh, to remove Mr. Trump from office twice. Uh, now, all of this goes to some of the, um, the loyalists for President Trump. I, I was struck by the fact that Charlie Kirk, the uh, founder of Turning Point USA, which is a very much a pro-Trump organization, He called for every other Republican candidate for the presidency to drop out of the race in solidarity with Mr. Trump. Uh, Ann Coulter, 
then who they describe as a right-wing bomb thrower, responded, that's nothing. I'm calling on every Republican to commit suicide in solidarity with uh, Trump. That acknowledging that rallying around the former president could send the party to oblivion. And and Coulter is no longer uh, a fan of President Trump. Um, as she made clear since her book came out in Trump We Trust. Uh, neither is John Bolton, his former national security advisor. He was on CNN and he had this to say about the indictments. This is clip 20. If he has anything like what the complaint, what the indictment alleges, and of course the government will have to prove it, uh, then, then he has committed very serious crimes. This is, this, this is a devastating indictment. I speak here as an alumnus of the Justice Department myself, uh, because not only is it powerful, it's very narrowly tailored. They didn't throw everything up against the wall to see what would stick. Uh, this really is a rifle shot, and I, I think it's, uh, it should be uh, the end of Donald Trump's political career. Uh, will it be the end of Donald Trump's political career? Um, I, I, I think that's highly, highly doubtful, especially with the idea of uh, so many loyal Republicans and prominent Republicans rallying around President Trump. The more he seems to be attacked, the more loyal response he gets. And he is, in fact, a former prosecutor, very well known as a prosecutor, for putting a relation of Donald Trump's into jail, uh, where he served, uh, I believe he was originally given a seven-year term. Uh, that would be Charles Kushner, who is the father of President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and married to Ivanka, etc., etc. In any event, Chris Christie, uh, despite the fact that he was the first Republican candidate uh, in 2016 to drop out of the race and endorse Trump, first one! And uh, he did it, and I remember how shocked I was to see it that day. But who knows uh, what's going on with New York politics and business and entertainment culture. In any event, Chris Christie was on CNN with Jake Tapper and uh, making a point that it seems to me whatever side you're on, uh, whichever candidate you favor for the Republican nomination or whichever candidate you favor for president, uh, this is a, an extraordinarily important point to keep in mind for context in reacting to these indictments. This is Chris Christie on CNN, clip 14. The conduct that Donald Trump engaged in was completely self-inflicted. In May or June or July or August of 2021, he could have just returned the documents. And in fact, if you look at the indictment, even the documents that he did return um, uh, is subject to the subpoena in 2022. Um, those documents, he wasn't charged on any of them. So even if he had given all the documents back in response to the subpoena, as he was legally required to do, we wouldn't be here today. He has contributed mightily to subjecting the country to the pain that we're going to go through over the course of the next number of months because of what's going on. Okay, uh, that 
idea, which also goes to the essential difference between uh, Biden and Mike Pence and Hillary Clinton or anybody else, is the idea that Trump was determined to uh, to hang on to these documents and to some extent to conceal them, which is very clear in the impeachment when you hear about how they were moved around at Trump's direction and even getting uh, Walt Nauta, who is um, his body man, uh, his valet, basically, uh, that uh, how how that uh, impacted uh, the charges against him. It doesn't bother, however, the core of Trump voters. And CNN interviewed some Trump voters who had gathered outside that Georgia convention in Columbus, Georgia. And uh, people, just ordinary, good, patriotic Americans, ready to defend the former president. This is clip 15. I think it's a bunch of bull****. Trump ain't done that wrong. The thing Trump done is, is saved this country. They're not going to let it stop. Mm-hmm. They can't stand the fact that he's running for president. And I am a Donald Trump fan. It, it's uh, probably altered. Um, but it's just typical, typical uh, liberal propaganda. None of the Republican voters CNN spoke with had read the indictment. No, I wouldn't waste my time on a phony indictment. I don't care about the indictment. indictment. You, could, hey, you could indict a baloney sandwich. Uh, the the gentleman who talked about uh, the bologna sandwich <laughs> had a, a Confederate flag patch on on his garb. Uh, there are there are other people in the conservative universe who actually are not conservative, at least on my opinion. Uh, but uh, Alex Jones, remember him, uh, America's leading conspiracy theorist. He was in a conversation about all of this and about the charges against Trump. And there was a little hint, more than a little hint of of jealousy uh, in a conversation with Roger Stone, the longtime Trump aide and advisor. And uh, Alex Jones was, uh, I think, a little bit envious that President Trump was soaking up all of those MAGA bucks. Uh, listen, this is clip 11. There's this weird paradox where I get more verbal support in the street and more attaboys than ever, and so do you. But it, it's it's like, yeah, we already know you're right about everything, so let's just move on. No, and it's great that Trump's getting record donations. That's wonderful. But And I'm not complaining at the audience, but I'm barely paying the bills here at Free Speech Systems. I'm barely paying my legal bills. Our enemies keep doubling down. That means you just keep doubling down. It's it's a long-term fight. It, Roger Stone, people like Tucker Carlson, we're the tip of the damn spear, people. We're the ones they're coming after. So if you want to know what horse to bet on, bet on the one that keeps winning, but the one that's bleeding freaking snot out of its mouth and got blood coming out of its ass because I'm not ever giving up, but I will give out if you don't support us. So belly up or roll over. Give us the goddamn money. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the horse to bet on. Um, a little bit less excited, though I think still passionate, uh, was Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. Uh, this is uh, clip 18. 
uh, warning about what he believes will be the dire impact of this entire dispute. This is clip 18. This, this judgment is wrong by this DOJ, that they treated President Trump differently than they treat others, and it didn't have to be this way. This is going to disrupt this nation because it goes to the core of equal justice for all, which is not being seen today, and we are not going to stand for it. And we are not going to stand for it, meaning uh, given the fact that Republicans control the House of Representatives by the narrowest of margins and do not control the Senate, I'm not sure what they have in mind. But one of the things that they uh, clearly that McCarthy doesn't stand for is the distinction between where Trump stored his classified documents. And you've all seen the photographs. It's a bathroom you can see sort of a commode in the foreground, and then there's a chandelier in the bathroom and boxes and boxes and boxes stacked up there. That is a preferable place for document storage, uh, Kevin McCarthy seems to suggest. Uh, why? Uh, listen, clip 19. Was that a good look for the former president to have boxes in a bathroom? I don't know, is it a good picture to have boxes in a garage that opens up all the time? A bathroom door locks. A bathroom door locks. Uh, there is a little bit of a difference between Mar-a-Lago, which is not only a private home, but is a, uh, a hotel. It's uh, an inn. It is a resort. There are visitors there and visitors there from all over the world. Uh, probably not so much in President Biden's bathroom. Uh, the difficulty is much more the way that Chris Christie put it. And he also had a comment that I heard that I, I wish you would put in writing in some kind of column because I think it was very perceptive. Uh, the, the biggest question about this entire controversy is what was Trump's motivation? Why was he holding on to these documents? Why was he so reluctant to give them back to the National Archives? The reason that other presidents have kept documents or gotten them released was because they were building presidential libraries. President Trump has not begun to build a presidential library. And the reason is because he is planning for his presidency not to be over. He's going to restart it. President Bush had, uh, began his presidential library before he left the White House. President Obama did. It's quite normal to do that. But the uh, one point that Chris Christie makes is that President Trump may have felt that having all these documents at hand and having all of these boxes of very privileged in, uh, information meant him still feel presidential. And again, in his mind, he thinks he won the campaign and should still be presidential. Uh, will he be again? We will get to that and more on the MedVet Show. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, I know sometimes it can be bad luck to speak too soon about a positive outcome uh, that appears to have developed because 
there's still time for things to go terribly wrong. But I do think it's very notable that in today's newspapers, there are articles in both of America's leading journals, one the New York Times and one the Wall Street Journal, with similar themes. The Wall Street Journal has a uh, headline, Miami Braces for Trump's Arraignment. A city girds for unrest as ex-president faces hearing Tuesday amid run for White House. Uh, law enforcement officials are bracing for the possibility of unrest as demonstrators uh, both supporting and opposing the former president made plans to rally around the courthouse. Uh, nothing like that seems to have particularly happened. Uh, Trump has denied wrongdoing in the New York and Georgia matters, too, and he has uh, accused prosecutors of pursuing him for political reasons. We now have two standards of justice in our country. The Democrat communists want to jail their opponents. This is President Trump speaking in Georgia. While they protect the murderers who prowl our cities day and night, and other brazen criminals. That's what uh, President Trump said in Columbus, Georgia on Saturday night. And ABC News Ipsos poll released Sunday said 48% of respondents said Trump should have been charged, while 35% said he should not have been charged. 17% said they didn't know. Um, meanwhile, a New York Times uh, report under the headline Trump backers unleash wave of violent threats, worrying some analysts. I, I'm hoping that after today, the sun goes down tonight, and God willing, no riots, no vandalism, no attacks, no property destruction, uh, that, that people can maybe relax a little bit. Uh, they write in the New York Times, uh, and... Boy, they have like nine reporters, including Maggie Haberman, who are part of this story. And it says the uh, federal indictment of former President Donald J. Trump has unleashed a wave of calls by his supporters for violence and an uprising to defend him. Disturbing observers and raising concerns of a warlike atmosphere ahead of the court appearance in Miami on Tuesday. Now, doesn't it sound as if these press sources almost want this kind of violence to come forward. It would be something dramatic to cover. It would be a repeat of January 6th, or maybe even worse, God forbid. The uh, calls to action and threats have been amplified on right-wing media sites, they say in the New York Times, uh, and have been met by supportive responses from social media users and cheers from crowds who have become conditioned over several years by Mr. Trump and his allies to see any efforts to hold him accountable as assaults against him. Experts on political violence warn that attacks against people or institutions become more likely when elected officials or prominent media figures are able to issue threats or calls for violence with impunity. And <laughs> it points out that um, Andy Biggs, a representative uh, uh, in Congress from Arizona, great supporter of President Trump, uh, has uh, basically said that uh, we have reached the state of war, an eye for an eye. 
Now, what does that mean? That uh, I, I think it means let's uh, have some indictments for President Biden. On Instagram, Mr. Trump's oldest son's fiance, Kimberly Guilfoyle, uh, posted a photo of the former president with the words, Retribution is coming. In all capital letters. Um, well, what does that mean? Would he get retribution for the Tony Awards last night? Uh, in the Tony Awards, Danae Benton, who is a Broadway actress who's known for her role in the critically acclaimed Natasha and Pierre in the Great Comet of 1812, which was an ambitious musical adaptation of Tolstoy's War and Peace, she was presenting an Excellence in Theater Education Award from uh, Carnegie Mellon University before she launched a political attack. And the political attack? Hey, you'll be shocked it was not on Trump. Listen. Earlier tonight, CMU and the Tony Awards presented the 2023 Excellence in Theater Education Award. And while I am certain that the current Grand Wizard, I'm sorry, excuse me, governor of my home state of Florida, will be changing. <laughs> I am sure. Okay. Uh, basically talking about Ron DeSantis as the Grand Wizard of Florida, a part of that is it's politically, historically illiterate. Uh, because Ron DeSantis is Italian-American. He would be our first Italian-American president. And he actually, all 16 of his uh, great-great-grandparents were born in Italy. And uh, he's Italian on both sides, solidly Italian. The Ku Klux Klan hated Italians because they were Catholic. They actually lynched Italians. In 1892, there was a lynching of 13 Italian-Americans in New Orleans um, by people who we now know were affiliated with the Ku Klux Klan. And you know what? Say what you will, but shouldn't it be the same way that it's ridiculous when President Trump uh, speaks into a cheering crowd and talks about the Democrat communists uh, to call either side communists or Klansmen? There are real communists in the world who killed 100 million people, minimum. Minimum. And uh, the Klan here has killed in just sporadic murders and racist and religious violence, thousands of people in the United States. And uh, can we give those uh, evil specters a rest and maybe talk about some other powerful figures uh, from the imagination? The seventh new Transformers movie is called Transformers Rise of the Beasts. What does that mean? Listen. Now it's time for Medved's Entertainment Minute. 
After six previous films and 16 years, the Transformers are back with new allies, the Maximals, a breed of beastly robots to join the Autobots as allies in their battle against an evil alien god. Yep, that's the premise of Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Of all the threats from both your past and future, you've never faced anything like this. Let them come. Well, the surprise, once you actually see this film, is that it's just about the best of the franchise. Do the Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, qualify as high art? Well, no. But the movie is almost incurably entertaining, despite all the underlying absurdities. Rated PG-13 for all of the violent, apocalyptic confrontations you'd expect. Two and a half stars for the better-than-you'd-expect Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. And part of what makes the movie uh, so watchable compared to its predecessors is the human characters who are played by Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and a wonderful new star named Dominic Fishbeck. The human uh, performers and characters are extremely likable. And yes, there's also the voice of Pete Davidson in the film as a transformer, uh, but it turns it from a Porsche into a slick monster. Well, not monster, he's a good guy. In any event, speaking of a good guy, there is a uh, uh, big question, which is the Politico is reporting that President Trump has vowed he will stay in the political race, even if convicted, even if in jail. But can he pardon himself if he wins the election? We'll deal with that on uh, Tuesday. Uh, also, Mark Cuban is saying that going woke is great for business. And for years, people have pointed out that religion may be good for your health. Now there are a series of definitive medical and scientific studies that answer that question with a definitive answer. Is religion good for your health? We'll talk about that. And is America headed toward collapse? How do you avert it? That and more.